0: All right, good morning, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grease the Wheels. This is your host, your Uncle Jimmy, coming to you from behind the microphone at the Rock and Roll Garage, the mysterious, no one knows where it is, Rock and Roll Garage. Yes. Hey, uh, got some stuff I want to talk to you about today, and I want to address people who might have this situation going on, or perhaps had this situation going on, or Maybe in the future, you might have this situation going on, and I hope that this is not the case in anyone's life, but what I want to talk about is a toxic shop, okay? Now, what I'm talking about when I talk about a toxic shop, I'm talking about a place that is, well, just shitty to work at, really. It's just a crappy place to work, and, and you know, you don't know that uh, when you apply for the job, when you get transferred there or when you start working there or for some reason or whatever, you are employed at a toxic shop. Uh, You could actually work for one company that has several shops and find that one of their shops is toxic and the other ones are fine. And maybe you started at one of the ones that are fine and you do a good job or your skills are above average at least and then they decide they wanna move you to this toxic shop to sort of straighten things out if you could and a lot of times, it doesn't work out. Now, one of the things that goes on uh, in a toxic shop is that no one in management in a toxic shop realizes that it's a toxic shop. They think that everything's okay. And this is really one of the things that causes it to actually be a toxic shop. It's one of the uh, one of the main uh, components uh, to a toxic shop is that uh, people who can make the changes are dreadfully unaware the changes are actually necessary. And a lot of times, if an owner or a general manager or a district manager of, because some shops have district managers where they have a whole bunch of them in one area, is able to see that, you know the, the by looking at analytics, by the way, that are able to see that a shop is underperforming or that it could be doing better or that they have a lot of complaints or that you know, maybe reviews that are piled up on certain places, such as Google or whatever, are uh, just bad, negative all the way around. And usually when you have a toxic shop, a shop where stuff's not getting done right and people hate it that come there and people hate it that work there and basically just everybody hates it, but you're the manager and you don't know this for some reason or another, uh, they'll just come in and fire you and in some cases this is not the worst thing that ever happened to anybody including you if you're the manager okay it's not the worst thing that ever happens because if you're bad at something and nobody tells you that you're bad at something and then they come in eventually and tell you oh you know by the way you're really bad at this and you're fired it it could be an epiphany it could be a reason for you to actually try to do something different with your life. And I suggest this as an actual course of action for a lot of managers that I've had the unfortunate pleasure to work with. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I, ha- you know, I've had a lot of terrible managers. Uh, I've had a few good ones. But uh, for the most part, if I work in a shop that has any kind of toxicity to it, it's typically because of the manager. Uh, usually my fellow employees and I are all struggling under the same uh, dogma of that idiot or uh, jerk-off. And we don't, you know, feel like we're appreciated and we don't feel like we're wanted and we don't feel like whatever we do is going to be good enough. And when this manager heads out for whatever reason, we kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And as a a matter of fact, we might even have a party, a going-away party or what we should should really call it is a get-the-fuck-out party, you know. Take your pens and your pencils and your little fucking plaques that probably don't even belong to you and get the fuck out. Just go away, okay? Uh, and that's not to say that the manager's always the reason for a toxic shop. Uh, if, if you have ownership or supreme management that sees what's going on, which is a whole other ball of wax and, quite frankly, a whole other podcast, and we've sort of touched on that a few times already. Anyway, but if you have somebody who is trying to remove uh, the toxic elements of a shop, then maybe you have a good manager, or maybe you have somebody at least who's trying to make a difference and maybe they're not capable of doing that, but they're at least putting in an effort. And uh, I think that probably about 25% of the case, uh, the cases where you have a toxic shop, somebody high up is looking to make a change, looking to have something different happen and perhaps is putting the right personnel in place Uh, maybe perhaps they're trying to put the right personnel in place, or perhaps they're trying to manipulate, which is probably the best word I could use for this, trying to manipulate the current management into doing something different so that they get different results. Okay. Uh, I can't honestly keep doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. That is the actual technical definition of insanity. Uh, when you work at a, if you work at a toxic shop or you ever have worked at a toxic shop, you typically... Uh, and then I found this true in my case anyway, and maybe maybe you don't do this, and I, I, I hope you don't do this because it's not healthy, it's not good. Uh, if you have people at home who tell you that they love you every once in a while, it's not good for them either. Uh, but if you work in a toxic shop, you have a tendency to bring it all home with you. You know, uh, You'll complain to the dog or the wife or the kids or anybody else who will listen. Maybe you got a neighbor like Wilson from Home Improvement who will listen to your beefs and maybe offer constructive and useful criticism, although I've found that that's generally pretty uh, few and far between finding somebody who has awe oh, useful criticism. Uh, I don't know if there's actually such a term. It sounds kind of like an oxymoron to me anyway. But if you bring it home, that's not good. And perhaps you should uh, make an effort to not do that. One of the reasons for that is that, you know, there's no there's no need to scoop up dirt and shit at work and then bring it home and spread it around the house. Don't do that, okay? If you can avoid it, uh, I I don't have anybody really at home that I can spew venom at anyway myself personally, so it's not a problem for me. Uh, and then as a matter of fact, I had a very a very long commute from one job where the shop was in a semi toxic state, and uh, I was able to uh, I was able to decompress on the way home. Uh, which was an, about an hour long drive and uh, that was it was really good for that it was uh, it was a really good thing to uh, scream and holler and yell uh, and to contemplate what happened in the shop that day for the hour that I was driving home and maybe formulate a response or maybe formulate a corrective action that I could perform personally something along those lines something something you know I could I could just get it out of my system basically you could just get rid of of all the negativity, get rid of all the crap that's floating around in my head, all the stuff that doesn't need to be there, and then get home and really start over again on my day. You know, I would get home, it'd be like a second day, you know, almost like, almost like, a, okay, work's over. Thank God. And now I can start being a human being and behaving like one. Thank you very much. Okay. And You can always do that. If you work in a toxic shop, there's a, a lot of different things that can make a shop toxic. Uh, I'm betting that if you're listening to this, you know right now in your in your mind uh, you can think of a thousand literally reasons why a shop experience might be toxic. Uh, and and I can't even begin to go into all of them, but I'm going to try a few. I like to start at the top because uh, I like to, to drive. I like to hitch up and saddle up a manager a service manager or a shop owner or somebody who's supposed to manage a shop and i'd like to saddle them up and ride them hard okay because uh that's what they do to us that that is that is what i find that they do to technicians that is what i find that they do to the personnel who work in the shop parts guys uh you know lot guys whatever they ride them okay and this can create a toxic shop in a hurry okay uh especially and I, would, I don't, I don't want to say that parts guys and lot guys aren't important. They're definitely important. But the most important person in the shop, in my opinion anyway, and I think a lot of you would agree, is, is the technician. After all, as I've said a thousand times before, we create labor out of thin air. Uh, labor is the direct result of what we do, and that is the end product that gets sold. So if you have a manager who is a, a toxic sort of individual who likes to demand and or request things that uh, shouldn't happen and or can't happen or that didn't happen, and I think you know what I mean by all of those situations, then it it can affect uh, productivity, okay? And it doesn't need to. It can affect your productivity anyway. The person who probably is most in charge Let's just go right to, let's just cut right to the chase here, okay, boys and girls. The person who is most in charge of your shop being a toxic shop is easily the service manager, the shop manager, okay? But there's other people who are contributing factors. And, uh, you know, in many cases, if they're people who do one job and they're either not good at it or they're not really that important, you can always just get rid of them and not have to deal with them. That's, you know, I'm talking about like lot guys, Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, hourly oil change guys or even parts guys, if they come in and they get hired because the service manager is really not doing a proper interview type of a thing. And uh, oh yeah, that never happens, Uncle Jimmy. No, it happens all the fucking time because service managers typically don't want to do anything. At least in my experience, they don't want to do anything and if they have to do something, they're gonna shortchange it and not do it well. And that includes the interview process with uh, potentially new employees. And uh, I believe wholeheartedly that in a lot of cases, uh, a service manager could uh, conceivably hire a serial killer and then be genuinely shocked when people in the shop start turning up dead, okay? <laughs> this is how little effort some service managers put into hiring people. And if you think about it from that I mean, ridiculous scenario, but if you think about it from that point of view, the interview process is way, way more important than you might imagine. I mean, because I'm sure at some point in time, Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy and and that crew, you know, who like to kill people, and in some cases even fucking eat them, they had jobs. They went into an interview, people, you know, Ted Bundy, the Green River Killer, the guy, you know, they don't even know how many people this guy killed. At one point, probably had a job and maybe many jobs and actually sat down in an interview with somebody who's supposed to hire people and who's supposed to, you know, kind of sort people out and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to hire this guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Guess what? He kind of wasn't. You know, if he didn't like you, that's it. It's over. Bye bye. They find your body down by the river. Okay. And that's not a good thing. So, you know, if, you're, if you have a manager, a service manager or maybe an HR person or a pre- whoever does a hiring in your particular uh, shop or your dealership, if they're going to shortchange the process, they themselves could be personally responsible for creating a toxic shop just through sheer laziness, you know, just by not uh, doing a proper interview, not properly vetting employees. It's something that could happen very easily. Okay. So uh, try to get through to your manager. If this is happening in your place, say, listen, and I have said this to managers many times, okay? Because I work for a luxury brand and the cars are unbelievably difficult to fix. And some of the problems that they come in with are just mind-numbing. And, and even on some of the other makes of cars that aren't luxury, so to speak, have features in them now that is, they're, they're ridiculous, they're ridiculous. So when it comes to hiring a technician, when it comes to hiring uh, someone who is going to be out there looking at cars and trying to fix them, it is imperative that they don't hire just anybody. Uh, we, you know, I've gone on about this ad infinitum. It really is—I uh, should say ad nauseum. I really have gone on about this a lot. But you can create a toxic shop by hiring one, two, maybe even three or four blazing fucking idiots people who should not have tools, people who should not be in your shop, people who are fucking up the cars, whether they smash them up or ruin them just trying to fix them or basically just can't fix a sandwich. You got to get these people out of your shop. You got to keep them out of your shop and you've got to have your manager sort these people out correctly. So if you're talking about a toxic shop situation, if the service manager wants to, uh, positively affect the overall attitude of all the employees in the shop, then he has to do his fucking job. And if he's not willing to do his job, and he's not willing to put in the time and the energy and the effort to do his job right, then he is, in fact, cooking up a toxic shop, okay? Now, let's say you get a job working at a shop, and you find, you know, maybe there's five, ten, maybe even fifteen mechanics. You know, and as well as I do, that there's going to be a couple of them who suck at what they do. There's also going to be a couple of them who uh, you don't like, and there's going to be a couple of them who need to go. And hopefully, you know, management can see this because they're in charge of uh, of, of the employees. Hopefully, they can take a look at somebody's work ethic. They could take a look at what they do, how well they do it. Decide that it's not good and a not not a good fit for the company, not a good fit for what you're trying to do, what your mission statement is. They, they come in late, they leave early, they say rude things. They don't want to work on anything that's too difficult. They want to just soak up the gravy. They want to pick the pile. These fucking people need to go. You need to get these fucking mechanics out of your shop. They need to get the fuck out. And if you coddle them for whatever fucking reason, and it happens, it happens all the time. If you coddle them, you know, treat them like they're gold. They're going to keep doing the shit they're doing and making your shop a toxic shop. So here again, the manager is more or less in charge of making your shop a toxic shop. But he's uh, complicit now with employees who aren't doing the job right and who are doing a shitty job and who need to go. Okay. Now, sometimes a a technician can be turned around. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you've got a technician who's uh, picking a pile and just trying to pull gravy work and he doesn't fix anything, Uh, too difficult, then you have to, as someone in the shop, perhaps you have a dispatcher or a team leader, uh, it's going to be up to you to channel the work to this guy that you want him to do and not necessarily the work that he wants to do. And if in fact he is not up to the task, well then fuck him. Fuck him. Keep it up. Okay. And that particular person may suddenly believe that the shop is a toxic shop because he can't make money if I'm working on garbage. You go, well, you know, every car that comes through the door is typically garbage in a lot of places. Every car. Uh, You know, I work in a place where we deal with uh, mostly new cars, mostly cars under warranty, mostly cars that uh, don't really have uh, major wear issues or rust problems. So, uh, you need to be, uh, you need to be able to uh, fix these cars, okay? No matter what's going on with them, they come in and the headliners hanging down. Well, guess what? You're an interior trim and upholstery guy that day. Uh, if the convertible top's not working right, guess what? You're a convertible top guy that day. Uh, if the, the tires are flat, guess what? You're throwing tires on. I don't care if you have a guy that does tires; uh, he might have thirty of them stacked up, and you need to do this one as a waiter. You got to do it, okay? So your attitude as a technician and everybody else's attitude as a technician is extremely, extremely important in determining whether or not your shop is a, is a toxic place to work. Okay, now, uh, there's a lot of things that technicians do uh, at, at that, uh, in, at least as far as I was just talking about, there's things that they do on purpose to make a shop, a toxic shop. But there's also things, and managers, I I want to say that managers do this as well. There's things that they do, also that can make a, t- a shop a toxic place to work, but they don't mean to, or they're doing them by accident, or they're unaware that they're doing them. And as, uh, and, and uh, in my experience, a lot of managers seem unaware of what they're doing anyway. So, but there's things that happen that make a shop a toxic place to work that no one is really doing on purpose or with any kind of malice involved, and there's no uh, purpose. Uh, There's no financial purpose to why they do it. Um, What I'm talking about is uh, people who uh, come into work and don't feel like working, uh, people who come into work and and are sick. That happens uh, quite a bit sometimes. Uh, There's also having to deal with broken tools. Uh, If you don't have anybody in your shop who is responsible for trying to make tools or or for keeping the tools in good shape, at least I should say, or for making sure that the tools work and that they're not broken and getting them repaired or getting them replaced. If you don't have a person that it has that job, and I got to tell you, 99% of your shops don't have a guy whose job it is to maintain the equipment, then it's going to either be up to you or it's going to be up to nobody. And technicians are the, the worst motherfuckers in the world, seriously, because they will fucking break something, put it back where they found it. And Try to forget that they ever touched it and hope nobody saw them. And then when it turns up broken, they go, well, didn't you just use this? Well, yeah, but it worked fine. when I put it it back. It was working. It wasn't broken. You know, and that's that can create a toxic shot because some some fucking technicians break every fucking thing they touch. Seriously, no matter what it is, their tools, the shop's tools, the cars they work on, the fucking lift, the garage door. Everything they're like the fucking Terminator, seriously. And I've worked with an extraordinary number of these fucking retards. And at any given time, personally, I could be I could be one of them. I have uh, sometimes I get on a streak and I break stuff like crazy, and I want to chop my fingers off and grow new ones because the ones I got aren't working right. So, (laughs) uh, but that's one of the things, and you have to instill that in your in your employees, in your, you know, if you were a technician, you have to say to your other technicians, look, shit breaks. We know shit breaks. Shit's going to break in the future. Let somebody know that something broke so that they can get replaced or repaired. Uh, and, and if you're if you're breaking something on a regular basis, if every time you use this one fucking machine, you break it, maybe you have to start over again and relearn how to use it correctly this fucking time, okay? We seem to have a lot of trouble with our tire machines always being fucking broken and our shop sells a shit house of tires and sometimes we have to wait in line we have two tire machines but sometimes we have to wait in line for one tire machine because somebody broke the other one and we've had to actually cannibalize parts off of one to make the other one work uh we Can't seem to get the guy who fixes the fucking thing to come in when we want him to. He comes in when he wants to, which is usually three, four, five days later. And in the meantime, it's holding us all up and costing us money. So if you're the guy, okay, and it's not going, if anybody I know is listening to this, they're going to think that this message is going out to one particular person, but it's not. If you're the guy who breaks the fucking machine on a regular fucking basis, There's a number of things that you need to do. A, learn to use the fucking machine correctly. B, stop fucking using the machine altogether. Or C, just fucking kill yourself. Or D, all of the above. Because we need to use the fucking machine. And if you break it one more fucking time, I swear to God, I'm going to give you a fucking pry bar enema and you are not going to like it, okay? The other thing that people do to create a toxic shop, and this is visual, okay? They make a mess. It's In my experience, technicians, 95% of technicians are the messiest cocksuckers that God ever put on this planet, seriously. And all you have to do is go to a pick and pull or any junkyard for that matter, or any independent shop, and you're gonna find an enormous fucking mess. And if you look around for somebody to clean it up, you might as well be looking for the Holy Grail. You're not going to find anybody who either a is willing to clean it up or b will clean it up. Okay. Now I try to keep our shop clean. Uh, I've said it. I've said it a few times before. Our shop is really nice, really nice. It's about a year and a half old, and it is a freaking palace. It is white. It's brightly lit. It's a really gorgeous shop to work in. And yet there's guys who cannot seem to keep from putting oil and antifreeze on the ground and just making a general huge mess out of the shop. And it's kind of, it's kind of irritating and it creates an atmosphere of, well, it creates like a pick and pull atmosphere. It's really, I mean, it's just not good. Okay. Um, and it, but here's the thing. Okay. Technicians make a mess because they're busy and they don't have the time to clean it up. I get it. I totally get it. They want to turn hours. They don't want to have to spend even one minute picking something up off the floor or cleaning something. And in their mind, if their boss wants to shop clean, they should hire somebody to clean it. And in a lot of cases, I I, I don't want to say all cases or even many cases. I'd say in a few cases, there are shops who have a cleaning crew that comes in. Uh, our shop is one of them, and. Lately, I have found myself personally uh, thinking that they're not doing that great of a job, but uh, I mean, it's not for me to judge. They do clean, they do a fairly decent job. There's other days where they don't, uh, I don't think that they run the floor machine every night I think that's one of the reasons, but that's just my shop. I know that, you know, a few shops I've worked in, they didn't have anybody who cleaned the floor. They didn't have anybody who cleaned the shop. The trash cans got full. It was up to you to take them out. If the floor was filthy, dirty, and covered with oil, it was up to you to clean it. And if you didn't clean it and you weren't going to clean it, it just kept getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And then eventually you're a pick and pull. <laughs> oh, the, I got to tell you folks, the last pick and pull I went to uh, really hurt my feelings. Uh, there was a row of cars, that I was looking for apart from and scattered around each one of these cars, almost ankle deep were parts that had been ripped off by hand and destroyed laying on the ground nearby where, uh, these cars were. Uh, there was, (laughs) it really looked as if it looked like that scene. And this is, this is exactly what it looked like. Actually. Now I think about it, it looked like that scene of that road that went from Kuwait to Iraq, where all the Iraqis tried to, uh, evacuate Kuwait after they lost the uh, battle for Desert Storm, and they brought in a bunch of A-10 warthogs, and they just fucked the place up big time, and there was cars and bodies and parts and tanks and weapons and all kinds of shit just scattered everywhere that's what that's what this pick and pull looked like that I went to so that's that's what I'm referencing here It's it's just carnage is what it is it's just total carnage and if you have that going on in your shop boys and girls if you have that situation in the bay next to you that can create a toxic shop uh literally and figuratively even you know if you've got oil and antifreeze and and other fluids on the floor it actually could be extremely toxic uh, i think that there's carcinogenics in every single one of those fluids that i mentioned and uh, you should definitely uh, be careful handling them and if you spill them you probably should clean them up right away okay uh, there's a whole lot of other things that can create a toxic shop. I know that you probably, in the course of listening to this particular podcast, have made a short list of things that make a shop into a toxic shop. And uh, if you have a list, or if you've come up with a few items that I missed, and I, I certainly missed quite a few, uh, certainly hit me up with those. Uh, I'd like some comments. Maybe, uh, maybe if you got a story to tell, go ahead, hit us up on Facebook. We have a really nice page called Grease to Wheels. Uh, how about that shit for irony? Uh, And you could certainly leave me a list of things that you believe make your shop into a toxic shop. And I will probably revisit this particular issue, uh, this particular subject in the future. And I'd like to use some of your examples of what makes a shop uh, a toxic shop. And if, in fact, you know what, tell if you could do this as well, is let me know if it's bad enough to make you want to fucking quit okay, if you come to work and the shop is just, a, has a toxic atmosphere, it's filthy, dirty, messy, and the techs in there are kind of fucking assholes, or maybe they just treat you like shit, uh, let me know what it is uh, that they're doing, let me know what it is that you don't like about that shop, I want to know, uh, I think that if we just put it out there, we might be able to get some people to actually clean up their act a little bit, I'm, I'm, maybe that's wishful thinking, or maybe I'm just fucking hallucinating, Uh but we can. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to hear the things that you have uh, going on in your shop that that really rally you up, that really make you want to leave. And and let me know too if they actually did make you leave. If you left the shop because they did something really fucking stupid, or they they just created an atmosphere where you fucking hated them and everybody and everything you were doing and yourself and your dog and your wife and and you had to get the fuck out of there just for mental health reasons. I want to know what those are. I want to know what it was that pushed you over the edge because I've had that situation where I worked in a shop that drove me absolutely insane and I ended up leaving and I'm w- w- way better off for it. I didn't know how bad it was until I left and I didn't have to deal with it anymore. That's that's how bad that shop was. I thought that leaving there was, wasn't was really gonna fix anything and in reality it fixed everything and, and life is a lot better for me now and i'm happier and making more money and doing things i like to do and everything's great everything's coming up roses again so uh let me know what's what it is that's going on in your shop or has gone on in shops you've been at previously and remember that every shop has a sort of a toxic kind of a i don't know there's something toxic about every shop honestly there's no perfect place to work unfortunately Uh, you can help make it better or you can help make it worse it's up to you but let me know what it is. Okay. Give me some feedback. I'd really enjoy to enjoy hearing that. I'd like to know what it is that's going on out there in the field, uh, in a different field that I'm in now, or a different field that uh, you're in, or if you're out in a field. So what's going to happen right now is that I'm going to sign off. And usually I do that by going, see ya.
1: This episode of Grease the Wheels was sponsored by Hemp It Up. Hemp It Up is your source for edible, transdermal, and every other form of CBD products that you can imagine. Now, CBD is a bit of a hot-button topic right now, but let our expert friends at Hemp It Up sort it out for you. Their knowledgeable staff at their locations in Rochester and Syracuse will get you the CBD product that you need when you need it the most. We especially like Transdermal CBD Balm after a long day of turning wrenches. You Rub some of that on your hands, your neck, and your shoulders, and you're good to go for tomorrow. Also, stop in and mention Grease the Wheels for 5% off your order. Hemp It Up, Rochester and Syracuse, the source for CBD and the only CBD company trusted by Grease the Wheels. You can check them out online at hempitupgifts.com. That is Hemp It Up, Rochester and Syracuse, CBD. It's good stuff. Keeps us turning wrenches. Keeps us on the move. Take care, everybody. Make sure you keep giving us those good reviews over there on iTunes. And make sure you check out our Patreon page as well, patreon.com backslash Grease the Wheels. We are raising some money over there right now for this month. We are giving it all to the Australian Wildfire Relief Fund. So giving back to our Aussie brothers who are always a big listenership on the show. We thank you guys so much. We hope everything's going okay. See ya, everybody, next week.